Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. If you don't have an outline, I would like for you to have one because there are certain things that the Lord gave me that I wrote down that I if I don't communicate them verbally, I would like for you to at least have these things for your own uh, consideration. You know, when we enter into this uh, Advent season, Advent season, we need to learn to use that word more uh, the advent of the, the love and the light of God Amen. through his, the, the birth of His Son, Jesus. May we never, ever, thank you, thank you, sir. May we never forget that that is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And I want to read to you a familiar passage that all of us have uh, read and have heard since the time we were children for most of us in Luke chapter 2 and I want you to specifically lay hold of the word joy. Joy is something that brings connotation in all of us but the truth is that real spiritual joy, the kind of joy the Lord's talking about is something that is misdefined is misunderstood, and I want us all to get a better picture in our minds and hearts about what real joy is and where real joy is, and it's only found in one place. Luke 2, beginning with verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. I would be too. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, good tidings of great, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill. Men. I want you to know that the announcement of the advent of the coming of the Lord was to be good tidings of great joy. Great joy. Jesus is the joy of God personified. Amen. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the exact representation 
of the Father. God is spirit and no one has seen God at any time, the scriptures say. But Jesus, God in human flesh. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Do you think God is up there just trying to find a reason to beat you to death? Well, is that the way Jesus acted? Yes or no? God is just like Jesus. Jesus was the personification of our Father God, and Jesus was full of joy. Do you know that joy and enjoyment are not the same thing? A bunch of Georgia fans probably lost their joy, but if they know Jesus, all they lost was their enjoyment. There are certain things that I see on television that I have an interest in. And when I see them, I didn't enjoy it. But it doesn't change my joy. That joy is internal and it's been placed there by the Spirit of God. You can get through disappointment and a lack of enjoyment as long as you stay connected to joy. Enjoyment is temporal, it is circumstantial, it has to do with feelings, emotions, desires, but the joy of the Lord is a force, it is a spiritual entity. It is something very real on the inside of your spirit that was put there when you put your faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit came to live in your human spirit. Your human reborn spirit is where the joy of the Lord is. Your mind and your emotions and your body, your brain, you can get out of a place of enjoyment, but you are in the joy of the Lord if you'll connect with it. Our problem is not that we don't have the joy of the Lord, it's that we allow everything else to overwhelm us, overtake us, and we don't connect with the joy of the Lord. See, Jesus, and I pray this over everybody, who is connected with this ministry every day. John 17, Jesus said, keep them. Father, I ask you, in the last prayer he prayed, I ask you to keep them. And then he said, and I pray that my joy may be fulfilled in them. Amen. The heart of Jesus hasn't changed. He wants His joy to be fulfilled in you. It is an internal force, entity of the Spirit of God that's in your human spirit. Jesus is your joy and He's praying that His joy might be fulfilled in you. Can I ask you something? Do you know when He prayed that? Within 24 hours, he'd be brutally murdered. And he was praying that his joy would be fulfilled in us. And I've asked the Lord, what in the world did you mean by your joy knowing that 24 hours later you're going to be brutally uh, murdered? And here is the Lord reminded me of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
that we are to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our salvation, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. So the joy of the Lord was a restoration of intimate, unbroken, unbroken fellowship with the Father. Jesus never had broken fellowship with the Father, but he sure had to come down here to pay for our sin. He had to go through what we're going through, and he had to suffer and pay the price for our sin so that we could have that joy. Jesus died so you could have his joy. He prayed it. He lived it. And the Bible says that, that the joy set before him, the, the, the presence of God the Father is what sustained him all the way through the cross. Whatever deep pain and suffering that you're going through, and if you've never gone through any of that, you're dead and don't know it. Whatever deep pain you're going through, can I tell you something? There's an inner witness on the inside of you, and it is the joy of the Lord that tells you it's not going to always be this way, that there is coming a time of intimate fellowship and a restoration of all things. And that is a source of joy. You can get through what you don't enjoy because of joy. It is, Jesus said it in John 15, 11. He, he prayed that his joy might be fill, fulfilled in us. Amen. You know that joy will sustain you. It sustained Jesus through the cross. I love Nehemiah eight ten, and you've heard it. Uh, Nehemiah was uh, prophesying by the power of the Spirit to his people who had worked so long and so hard to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been t torn down once again. And the Spirit of God spoke through Nehemiah, and this is what he said to the people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We've got people in this congregation and in, in uh, the sound of my voice who've gone through uh, and actually uh, had to experience the death of the people they love the most in their life. We have many people in this room today and in the sound of my voice who have gone through divorce and disease and brokenness of all kinds. It is brutal and it is intense suffering. And you don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that. But I want to tell you, somewhere deep in your spirit, if you know Jesus, there's an inner witness of joy that's saying to you, this is not all there is. There will be, there will be a restoration of life. There will be, there will be a restoration of life. It's not over. Till God says it's over and he said that your death is going to be the greatest thing ever happened to you if you're a believer. 
You're going to enter into glory that is unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Real joy energizes our will to keep on going when we don't want to go another step. You ever been there? I have. The joy of the Lord, and it's not a giddy, yay, yay, yahoo kind of deal. That is an emotional feeling, but it is an interconnection with the very life of God in your spirit, man, that tells you you still have intimate fellowship with your Father, and that He will bring you through whatever you have to go through. I know uh, many of you have probably seen that m movie from the book, uh, Dr. Seuss, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I haven't seen that, but I read what it was about. Do you know that um, the, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas actually... Um, he was just basically a killjoy. Wanted to kill any kind of joy that uh, people who were celebrating Christmas and the true meaning of it might have. But in the end, because of the consistency of the love and the joy of people on the inside, as opposed to what was taking them from the outside, from them from the outside, he eventually came around himself. I have some bad news for you, though. There are spiritual Grinches, and they don't change. They desire to steal, kill, and destroy. They're under the headship of the author of death. And there are spiritual Grinches that will try to work from the inside and the outside to absolutely steal your joy. And it seems to me like just in the 75 years that the Lord has given me, and by the way, let me just stop here just a minute. Many of you who were here the last time we met know that I called a meeting after church to address a rumor that has started going around again. <coughs> and that rumor was, and I received a message just the other day, and it said this, I know that you're about to retire real soon. Let me just tell you the name of that tune. When my boss tells me that it's time for me to walk away is when I walk away. I sold out. I, I, I gave my whole life to him many years ago. And I received a holy calling for him, from him. And until and unless he tells me it's time for me to do something different, you are stuck with me. And that has not happened yet. That is the name of that tune, and I don't want to hear it again. Amen. Amen. 
The spiritual Grinches that attack our joy um, come in several different uh, ways. And one of those, and I'm not going to get to that today, is conflict and contention. Do you know that it's possible to have conflict without having contention? We'll talk about that next week. In fact, if you can avoid conflict all of your life, I, I wish you would set a meeting with me and, and tell me how you can do that. Jesus said, in this world you will have <laughs> uh, <con laughs> adversity, distress, uh, flipsis, uh, high pressure. <laughs> But you know, one of the spiritual grinches that I see really happening around this time of year is condemnation. It's interesting to me that this time of year, it seems like the spiritual grinches, the demonic spirits, really work hard externally, and uh, our own flesh works very hard internally. That is, our old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving to try to get us into a place of condemnation so that our focus leaves Christ and comes on us. And uh, the way that happens is that there is just this constant replay of decisions that we have made that we regret, the instant replay of bad choices, the, the overwhelming condemnation. There's a little voice on the inside of our our flesh, apart from Christ, that is always telling us how bad we are, um, how, how bad we've messed up, how bleak our future is, um, how we, were, we are never going to be worthy to receive the blessing of God, how our mess is unfixable. And every time that is always the root of it is that we have focused ourselves on, not on Christ, but on us, the old us. And it's rooted in a lie. It's rooted in unbelief. God's Word, Jesus said, Father, Thy Word is truth. So sooner or later, you're going to have to make a decision whether or not the Word of God is the truth or what you're thinking is the truth. And sooner or later, you, there's got to be a litmus test, an objective standard by which you decide that which is true and that which is not true. And there are voices always, internally and externally, trying to condemn you, to beat you up, to keep you under the, the, the guilt that Jesus died to pay for. The Bible says, you see, some of you think, well, before I can get into heaven, I'm going to have to, Jesus is going to have to look me in the eye and say, okay, here's the record. You did this, 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 this. What do you got to say for yourself? That's a lie. What good is the cross if all your sins brought back up to you? Hebrews 13 tells us, Jesus said, because there's a new covenant in the blood of Christ, 
Your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. God who is almighty and omnipotent and omniscient has chosen to lose his mind over your sin. To lose his memory over your sin if you will trust Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior because he paid the price for that sin. You said, oh, well, Pastor, I'm just not worthy. Do you belong to Christ? Well, then Jesus says you are. So what do you say? God's word is the truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. He didn't have any sin in himself. God made him to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Have you made him Lord of your life, yes or no? Well, then he says, God says he has made you the righteousness of Jesus. I say this a million times. If this is you, and this is Christ, God can't see you apart from seeing Christ. Are you in Christ? Well, then, why don't you declare that it's true? Well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't act like it. Well, that's not his fault. Do you know that when we sin, if we are in Christ, we're acting like somebody we're not? Because God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So if I get outside of that and I start making choices that are outside of that, then my sin is I don't really believe the Word of God. And I need to confess that. Ephesians 1, 3 through 7 says, oh man, get hold of that. God has given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, He has seen us and chooses to see us as holy and righteous and blameless and loved and accepted and forgiven. That's the way He has chosen to see us in Christ Jesus, it's His grace, not our performance. Thank you, Lord. So, see, listen, if I am letting these Grinches internally and externally, if I am letting them condemn me, then I'm insulting God's grace. Whenever you start living in condemnation about how bad you are, about all the choices you've made, and about all your guilt and shame, when you start living and saturating yourself with that, you're insulting the God of grace. Self-condemnation, when I live in that, when I walk in listening to condemnation, especially since God's on record is saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. When I live in that, guess what? When I live in that 
condemnation, I am really, really quick to criticize and condemn other people. That which lives in me, I spread to others. Are you critical? Are you judgmental? Are you quick to just unload on everybody and talk about how bad they are? A lot of it stems from the fact that you hadn't really seen yourself in Christ. You still have this inferior view of yourself deep down on the inside of your heart because you don't really believe what the Word says about you. Whenever I start being critical of other people, it's because I, hadn't, I have failed to truly believe what God says about me in Christ. So there's the spiritual grinch of condemnation, and then there's another C in there, and it's the spiritual grinch this time of year especially that is in our culture. The Word says, do not love the world system because the world, the whole world system lies under the influence of the evil one. First John 5 lets us know about that. Our culture, our set patterns of life, seasons, observances, produce expectations and pressures to perform. And we all internally get afraid that we're going to fail to please other people. And you know, one of the biggest ways that our joy is stolen is the pressure that we just don't want to, we don't, we don't really want to disappoint somebody, so we have to make sure that they get a gift. That strikes a nerve, doesn't it? You know, sooner or later, you might need to do what Dean and I had to do many, many years ago, and that is go to those who was all the pressure of gift giving, and how many of you know that a lot of times, because that you're afraid you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, if you don't give a gift, you'll just go out there and start borrowing all kind of money and put yourself in bondage till the next Christmas, and then it gets deeper. So maybe what you ought to consider doing is just being honest and saying, you know, to the persons, the people, I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. But we're just in a different season and a time. And um, if it's okay with you, I wish that we could give gifts that are not monetary in nature this year. Would you be all right with that? You know, when we did that, not one person objected and thought it was a great idea because they felt pressure too. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Don't let the Grinch steal your joy because this season is not about you. It's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. It's not about what you can give or what you can receive. It's about the Lord of life who's in love with you, who came for you, gave his life for you, and is, is continuing to give his life for you. Don't let the, cult, the Grinch of culture steal your joy.
recognize where they come from. Well, what do I do, Pastor? Well, go to the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to take a good close look on the inside of what my motives really are. Help me to go before you and help me to get my priorities straight that it's not about pleasing somebody else. It's about worshiping you and giving you glory for the gift of life. You're the center of it all. You remember what Deborah and the praise team just, just did for us? Jesus, you're the center of it all. Is he really? Let's deal with our fears of failure. Also know that joy can be stolen because some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you say, I wish he'd get off of that. But this season can be emotionally painful. I'm just going to tell you how weak Dean and I are. 20 years after watching our son die, a song can come on TV and we're done. We're done. Can I tell you something else? For many, many years in our life, this season has brought such pain. Why? Is it because of the, the reality of the purpose of it? No. It's because this season can be so painful because memories rush to the surface and you feel absence really hard. Absence sometimes is stifling. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And others of you just give God praise. But I want to tell you, there have been times and seasons when Dean and I rejoiced when December 25th was over. Three of you can identify with that. We have many people in our fellowship that know that we ain't pretending here. It's life happens and there's a lot of pain. And this season can really bring it to the surface because of absence and pain and regret. And it's not sin to experience pain. Back many years ago in our season of greatest pain, there was actually some teaching and preaching going around that if you are experiencing and expressing grief, you don't have enough faith. You, you're out of line with the, word, with the Lord. Nonsense. That's nonsense. I said that's nonsense. It's not sin to feel pain. It's not sin to express that pain. Now I can tell you this, it's not spiritually healthy to allow your emotions to just paralyze you and keep you from functioning and working through the pain. Because let me tell you something, the joy of the Lord, there is a strength in the joy of the Lord that things are set before you that God is working on something bigger than the pain you're experiencing. And I want to I remind you of something that 
You've got to cooperate with the joy of the Lord. What does that mean? It means you've got to continue to function. You know, sometimes success is just defined by getting up the next day. It's not spiritually healthy to allow emotions to paralyze you and keep you from functioning. Because if you, keep, if you quit functioning, then you're, going to, you're not going to be working through your pain. So here's some things for you to consider if you're in a lot of pain that has been brought on, especially this time of year. Reach out to an inner circle that you can trust. You're going through an incredible pain, you need an inner circle. That is a gift from God. That'll help you get through stuff that you didn't even, oh my Lord, do you have an inner circle? Do you have a prayer covering? Do you have at least one, hopefully two or three, that you can really express just how you feel and know you won't be judged? That's a big deal. Um, consider asking the Lord to show you that inner circle and being willing to trust and listen. And if you are, listen, if you are in somebody's inner circle who's going through great pain, here's some things you don't do. Don't preach about what they ought to do. Are you ready to hear it? Truth is, you don't know yourself. Number two, don't tell them they're just going to have to get over it. Because this side of heaven, there are pains so deep that it's not going to be fully, you're still going to have a bruise on your soul this side of heaven. You say, boy, I don't like that preaching. Well, you just have to live with it because it's the truth. A bruise doesn't mean you can't get through or go on. It means you just recognize there's some pain there and I have to continue to give it to the Lord and connect with Him and His strength and His joy. Amen. Amen. In your greatest pain, you have an opportunity to have greater intimacy with Jesus than you've ever had. Because He knows. Can I tell you something right now? The Lord is actually attracted to you when you're in your greatest pain because he knows what it's like to be despised and rejected. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to who bear the sin of the whole world on himself. He knows what it's like to be Mr. Wonderful. The Bible says when he was growing up and gotten into his ministry that the Lord gave him favor with God and man. But he also knows what it was like when people who were in his inner circle came against him. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. In this time of pain, in this culture, you've got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So reach out to your inner circle. Don't have, enough, don't have so much pride that you won't tell somebody, I need some prayer. Don't neglect individual and corporate worship. Amen. You know that after the pandemic, Amen. 
most churches have found that they have lost between 50% of their congregation and countless churches across America have folded. Well, I just got so used to getting everything online. It's just so much easier. I don't have to get up. I don't have to drive over here. I don't have to. I, I, I. Can I tell you something? It's the Lord who desires us to have fellowship. Amen. Do not neglect the assembling of yourself together with other believers. That's the word of God. That's not your pastor's word. That's God's word. There's some, and I hear people say, well, I just don't get anything out of it. It's not about you. Amen. This is something God says I want you to do. Don't neglect the assembling of yourself with other believers. Don't neglect individual. Worship the Lord individually. And don't neglect to worship with others corporately. Can I tell you something else? Don't neglect to eat food, good food. Did you know Old Testament and New Testament, a lot of times when somebody was in crisis and God was using that person, or sometimes Jesus would heal somebody, and he would say right after he healed them, uh, make sure that they get food. You know why? Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We live in a body and it's subject to weakness. Don't neglect good food. Don't neglect rest. And don't neglect to move. Don't get isolated and uh, don't just stay put in one place. Move around. And I've got something at the end of your outline. Professionals are usually your allies. We have people in, in uh, this ministry and under our covering, like Emmanuel and Kenya, and, and we've had uh, others who are, that's their ministry. They're trained in helping you get through some of these uh, crises that you walk through. God's got chosen professionals who are your ally. Don't be afraid to call out to psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors of every kind. It's not weakness. So these, these grinches of condemnation, internal and external, these grinches that our culture puts on us of trying to meet the expectations of others, internal fear, um, dealing with our own pain. Understand this. Well, let me just close it like this. Pastor Dina couldn't be with us today. She was up and down five times last night. Got a little issue there at the house with her little babies, but um, somebody came up to her in our journey after uh, Bryant's uh, passing sometime after that and said to her, oh, I'm so glad. They saw her smiling 
said, I'm so glad to see that your joy is back. Dina's response was, my joy never left because the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you've got that internal strength, that's your joy and it will get you through anything. Every day. Are we learning anything? Next week we're going to talk about the spiritual grinch of conflict and contention. Uh, they're not the same thing. You can go through conflict without getting into contention. And uh, what we have to do is uh, take a deep look through the Spirit of God to make sure that our focus is on the Lord and there's grace and mercy there. Let's all stand. We pray for you every day. We love you. And I'm not going to say anything again about what I talked about, the retirement deal, unless you say something about it. Bow your heads with me, would you do it? pray this with me mighty father thank you for sending me the very expression of your joy through the person of your son thank you for opening my heart to believe you and to receive Jesus who is my joy I stay connected by your spirit and through your word to the joy of the Lord. And I declare today that the evil Grinches that would steal the joy of the Lord are defeated in Jesus' name. They have no place in me. I trust the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I believe your word that Jesus is the source of great joy which is mine. Hallelujah. Go with God. He's going with you and I'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.